D-Ray, we've got a guest for episode 15. We're going to talk leadership, vulnerability. You ready for it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Roll the intro. Welcome into episode 15 of Cautious Coffee. My name is Austin Satin, joined alongside my co-host D-Ray Crane. And D-Ray, we've got a fun guest on today's show, and that's Justin Cade, who we've mentioned, we've had on the show sort of as like, uh, you know, uh, input here and there on the show. Uh, but today we're having him on for a full episode. We're going to talk leadership and vulnerability. D-Ray, uh, first off, we took last week off. How is everything going on your end? Are you surviving the Delta variant? Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say something snarky, but... Uh, Do it. Snark. You know... I, I I have no concerns of anything that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of uh, volleying uh, between you know, what people believe and what's actually happening. And I, I think folks need to definitely uh, do what's best for themselves. And go back and listen to the episode where we talk about. You know, yes, but uh, things are going great otherwise. Uh, I tell people that I've, I had a fantastic quarantine, lockdown, uh, you know, got in really good shape, got a lot of good work done, school. Are you uh, are you training for anything? I'm training to get old, like my truck. I have a 2002 Dodge Ram, 87,000 miles on it. It's in really good shape. I want to be just like it when I get old. I just want to be in really good shape. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe there's some uh, traveling to you know Europe, France. Maybe the, it uh, could be future. Paris 2024. Who knows? You there we know, go. I was we're, trying, we're to, get gonna take, uh, trying to get it out of you. <laughs> we're going to take cautious coffee on the road in the meantime, and. Uh, you know, I'll do an assessment and see if uh, this old guy has anything in the tank. We will definitely document that journey here on Cautious Coffee. If you want to follow that journey, of course, follow D-Ray on social media. That's at Dynamo Crane on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Austin Staten. And of course, all of our social media channels at Cautious Coffee. And D-Ray, we actually kind of blew up on TikTok. I know I've I've mentioned TikTok a few times, but uh, some of our vaccine comments and COVID comments uh, did pretty well on TikTok. I think... One of them, we had something like 300 hours worth of playtime for a video clip and, you know, something like five, 6,000 views, 100 plus likes, 60 plus comments. Uh, so, yeah, maybe TikTok's the uh, the future. You know what? I don't disagree. My girlfriend TikTok's uh, thinking about bringing her on as a producer to Cautious Coffee because, <laughs> you know, she would crush it. She's a natural. Well, that's you've good. Seen, you've seen some of her work. I have. I have. Yeah. And Justin, we've got to ask you, are you into TikTok? I am not. I'm not a TikToker. That's probably a good thing. My daughter is only two and a half, so she's not into it quite yet either. So <laughs> we are a TikTok-free household right now. All right. Well, D-Ray, I want you to actually give a proper introduction for Justin. Uh, you know, tell him the connection and, you know, kind of how you guys met and why we wanted to have him on today. Absolutely. Uh, Justin Cade uh, was my very first boss at the company that I work for uh, currently. And... Uh, you know, he, I was, I was like, I want to be like this guy. How about that? I, those are the bosses that I, that I try to work for. Uh, and I'll opt out of a job if, if I, if I don't want to be like that guy or that, that gal. Right. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, how I make decisions about a, about a, a job or a career change, uh, for that matter. And I worked for him for about a year and he's been a huge advocate for me and we would always chop it up and, you know, talk about everything under the sun and, and uh, we've we've stayed what I've been at the company, you know, almost three years now. So uh, and I'm going on my fourth boss here soon. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, 
I always uh, reach back to Justin if I have, you know, a question about, you know, something going on in corporate America being that it's, you know, my first uh, role since, you know, leaving the military in a large yeah. corporation. So uh, Justin's you know been there and I imagine he's going to continue to be there uh, going into the future. So I'm really excited to have him on and, and we talk a great deal about leadership. So it's uh, it made sense to have him on. And just for some more inside baseball and background on Justin. So I've only met Justin once in person, and that was for beers probably three, four months ago. And I think we're going to hopefully do it again soon. But uh, Justin was a big supporter when D-Ray and I launched Cautious Coffee uh, before it was a podcast. And, you know, joining the conversations each week and, and, and being a huge advocate and supporter. So, uh, Justin, we're really uh, excited to have you on for a full episode of Cautious Coffee. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And D-Ray, thank you for what you said. The comment, uh, comment like that is what makes it worth it when someone says, I, I want to be like that person in, in some way. Um, it was an amazing journey we went on together through the, the military program you came in through and the, the spirit and the camaraderie you two built through Cautious Coffee and giving people a place to gather when we didn't really know what was going on and talk about things um, that were going on in their lives in the world was was really special and i'm, I'm glad it, it took off at the company we worked at and i'm glad to see that y'all have kept it going at least 100 episodes that's the plan yeah we're gonna try to get one on the moon uh eventually i heard i see richard branson is offering people you know trips to space so we might have to apply i think it's for i think it's four hundred thousand dollars is what he's charging so if anyone wants to sponsor us uh we will wear your brand uh in space while doing cautious coffee so uh, hit us up contact cautiouscoffee.com we'll uh, we'll definitely have that and conversation you know, and you know as much as uh as 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 austin and justin as much as you guys talk it's like you only met one time that's that blows my mind yeah yeah, yeah. that's we wild, seem closer it? we seem like we might hang out every friday <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good thing and i think uh one thing that we're excited to talk about today is like leadership and vulnerability and d-ray you you came up with uh this topic um why was it important for you for us to have this conversation on leadership and vulnerability and, and what does it mean to you? You know, succinctly, I, I wanted to chat about it because I find, you know, a lot of leaders out there and I, I have to do this. They're leaders uh, and you can tell that they're in it for themselves. And we yep. can even look at our political leaders uh, that don't necessarily have the, you know, the, the group or the tribe's best interest in in, uh, in mind, uh, when they make decisions. Uh, so that's why I want to talk about it. And you see it at every level. You see it in the military, uh, where, you know, it can be very detrimental, uh, to people, especially in a, in a, uh, a war zone area. Um, or you see it in corporate America, especially when you have a lot of really high performers, individual contributors, and then they're put in leadership positions and, you know, they fall on their face and then, you know, they'll take credit for when things go well, but then they want to point fingers when things go poorly. And well, it doesn't work like that. And there are people in leadership positions that have no business being there. You know, whether, whether it was, you know, maybe they, they, they worked hard uh, and they've given results. Uh, you know, maybe they've brought, you know, positive value to the company financially. But I'm not sure that always translates to leadership, like you said. I think it's more of the leadership, uh, as, as you say. So, you know, we kind of posed 
this question on our social media platforms uh, this week, and it was, what makes a good leader? So we had res some responses on Instagram. Uh, Manny says, one who knows how to follow. Simon says, protecting the group, being led from harm. And uh, maybe our future producer or Cautious Coffee. Uh, she said, one that brings out the best in you. And then my mom, shout out to my mom for actually responding. She says, uh, leadership is empowering and elevating people to be their best. We had another question. Is there power and vulnerability when it comes to leadership? We had an answer to that. And it was only to a certain extent. A leader has to stay in control most of the time. And our last question was, uh, who has inspired you as a leader? And uh, we didn't get a name in particular, but the comment was uh, the previous team lead would always back the team. So in kind of taking all of that into account, Justin, I'll, I'll start with you. Do you think those are maybe three important questions to ask when evaluating leadership, or do you think they you know, don't matter at all? I think they matter a lot. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a couple of points you made. There's a lot of people that are in leadership roles that shouldn't be. I think that happens to everyone. Leadership is, is maybe there's a natural leader out there somewhere in the world. I haven't, I haven't met them yet. I know my first go round in the corporate leadership uh, was a failure uh, from a performance standpoint, from a, did I have the qualities and treat the team the way I wish I had? I did a lot of the things you said that aren't great for leaders to do. And D-Ray made points around that aren't great for leaders to do. Uh, I tried to impose myself down do it. I was, I'm up here, do it my way. Right. Um, I was successful. This will make you successful. Uh, it was a team that I, I had come up through and luckily had trusting relationships with for them to eventually point it out to me and say how much they hated working for me and gave me the insight and the feedback to grow. Um, it's not immediate. It took me years to process through some of that. And then it took another round of feedback from my peer group and some leadership groups, what I needed to work on and what I needed to do, because it's hard coming from an individual contributor standpoint, being put in a leadership role. No, no one tells you what to do differently. No one is, it's hard. I don't know that they can, I think they can give you advice. You can look at them as role models, but it's very hard to understand. It's not so much what I do anymore. It's how I lead. It's not the things I create or the spreadsheets I, I, I work on every day. It's how I treat people. And it's how I love the comment around, it's how someone I make someone their best. How can I be there for the team? And that comes into the servant leadership and a lot of that model that, that I think is really important. Um, vulnerability is part of that. I mean, Brene Brown made it famous here in Houston, right? I mean, she's the, the spark on that around being authentic. And, and sharing yourself and understanding who you are. Um, and people see that, you know, you, you can have leaders that come up and give their talks or their speeches and you know whether they're being themselves or not. You can read an email from your CEO and know, did they write it or did the comms team write that? Um, you feel it and you know it. Yeah. And so when that person's up there and saying, here's what's going on and here's what we're going to do as a company, that authentic, genuine person either comes out or it doesn't. And if you've had people in your career to the third part that they're like that, you see it and you hold on to it and you, you 
hold that up as your model. And when you don't, you learn from that too. You learn, I don't want to be that person. I want to be someone different, but it takes all that takes time. I'm going to pose this question to both of you because D-Ray, I know you've had uh, extensive leadership experience in the military and Justin, you were very open there about failing as a leader. And I think that is pretty incredible to be able to admit, right? Because if, if an experience doesn't go well, you know, maybe we forget about it. Maybe we don't confront it. Maybe we're not upfront about it. When you guys have been placed in leadership positions and maybe something hasn't worked, what has been that trigger point for you to step back and say, Hey, look, I need to change or I need to do something differently because I feel like there are some people that are put in place in leadership positions that if something isn't working or it is detrimental to the team, their community, they continue on that path until they're replaced, fired, uh, you know, elected out of office. So why, what was that catalyst, I guess, that, you know, created that change to say, all right, I've got to go down a different path. I, th I think you learn to ask people you, you, and it's hard for people to trust to give that honest feedback. You have to even earn that part. Um, so it usually starts out as little nibbles. Um, I, you know, in the company that D-Ray and I work at now, I changed roles during the pandemic as part of a reorganization we went through, joined a new commodity virtually, have met some of the team um, I work with now, either as peers or um, underneath me in, in my region, um, but have never worked directly with any of them. And coming from a role I was very comfortable in that I knew a lot about and had a lot of history and growth in, um, joining a new team was difficult to find my place, um, both again with my peers and my team. And I had some rocky starts here and there. And you just have to ask people, how am I showing up right now? I, I want to be a positive member of, of this team. What am I doing that's getting in the way of that? And you might get, oh, here's a little comment to start with. You could have done this or you said this one time. And then people wait to see what you do. What do you do with that? Do you get defensive? Do you get dismissive? Or do you thank them? and try to absorb it. And the more you do it, the more you get back out of it. And then the more those relationships build. And so that to me is the key part is, is being able to hear feedback from others on what you can do better and, and want that feedback. My experience, it, I can say, uh, you know, I agree with Justin that you have to be able to ask. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately, make sure it's fortunately not unfortunately uh in the military you're paired with uh an enlisted leader like someone who's been in 10 years already uh and if you're lucky you know you'll get someone you're you're a, a shiny uh butter bar as second lieutenant that's what they're called if you get a you know you get a platoon sergeant who's squared away who you know believes and lives the army values worth his weight or her weight in gold quite honestly because they show you what right looks like uh and i was very fortunate uh, even on my deployment oh my goodness like you know she would carry me at some point in time simply because you know i'm i'm, I'm new to the organization uh or relatively new and she's been in 15 years why wouldn't i listen to her uh you know and and she never said anything that was was wrong so you're not alone. That's, I think a lot of organizations, if I think about what Justin said earlier, 
you know, it seems as though he was you know, somewhat alone. He didn't have anyone to like show him what right looks like, right? Anyone to model his, he had someone probably that showed him, he thought like, Hey, I'm doing the right things here. Why aren't these people, you know, falling in, falling in line. And it was actually not the right way. All right. So, uh, you know, good on him for reassessing, Hey, I need to move in a different direction. And a lot of times leaders are unwilling to, you know, ask down. And when I talk, when I mention the, the army values, you know, one of my issues is that not, not everyone will live by them. And, uh, I value them uh, greatly in the, the company that Justin and I work for now, they had values that were similar to values I was already familiar with. So that was really attractive to me, uh, as far as joining that organization and then, you know, seeing more that they're not just words on the wall. Like I need to see it lived and, and in a large organization, you'll, you're just going to come upon people that don't necessarily believe in that stuff. You know, they think it's mumbo jumbo and you know, it's magical and they don't want to be vulnerable. They're not, they're unwilling because personally they probably haven't unpacked some things. Uh, it could trace back to their childhood or just how they were brought up. It could be the old, old guard way of thinking, uh, where if, if a man or a woman shows vulnerability, you know, people will perceive that as weakness. So what? <laughs> that has nothing to do with you. Like just because someone else perceives it as weakness doesn't mean you're weak. Uh, you know, let them think that you're weak and then run, run over them. <laughs> you know, that that's okay. You, you, if you're secure in yourself, you don't waste your energy thinking about, well, what are the people thinking that I'm weak or I'm not a competent leader or, you know, that how you're going to show up, you know, that your people will follow you, you know, Hey, we're knocking on the door of hell. And we're about to kick it down. Right. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of the position you want to be in as a leader where the where your subordinates matter more than than anything else. You're willing to, to keep the, the shit from rolling downhill and splashing all over them, as it were. I mean, I think you need to play to your team's strengths. Uh, you know, you need to empower your team. Right. Uh, you need to. Be brutally honest with them you know, and, and be okay with, with hearing feedback. You know, some of the, some of the best bosses that I've had have been people that will tell you when you screw up, tell you when you succeed, celebrate the wins, talk about the losses and how you can improve upon them. Uh, I look at, you know, my time with IBC Houston, which is a, a nonprofit communications organization. And generally how we had constructed the board in the past was, you know, people that have been in comms for 20 plus years. And my mindset was different. Like when the people that I wanted on the board, I didn't care about their tenure. I cared about whether or not they were hungry and they wanted to go out and succeed and, and do what they could to help, you know, promote the chapter to other people in Houston. And as a result, we were, you know, nominated and won international chapter of the year. And I think it was just because we had the right people in place we were very honest with each other. We were very transparent with each other. And I think that helped out. And D-Ray, you mentioned the value system. And I think values are incredibly important when it comes to companies, right? I think a company has to have some sort of purpose to be able to exist, to be able to succeed. And I don't know that it can just be about making money anymore. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things in place, especially I feel like after the last 
two years is like ESG has been something that, you know, shareholders really care about. Uh, you know, there's a lot more accountability. Uh, but I think you have to be intentional with values. There's a company in Houston, their value Lots page. Of those. Yeah, a lot of companies in Houston. There's a company in Houston uh, that they're they're relatively new. It, it's it's still you know technically a, a startup company, but they've got a values page and it's a giant word cloud. And it seems like every single person like submitted something. And I think a value has to have a purpose behind it, right? Some of the words on there are not purpose driven. You know, I think when you have twenty five words listed on your values page it's like do you really know what you stand for and when it comes to i guess leadership i'm not sure where i'm going here but when it comes to leadership do you have to have you know your own value system in place on how you lead is is it is it knowing it's okay to be vulnerable is it is it focusing on excellence is it focusing on you know anything do you have to have your own internal value system in place. And you kind of alluded to it, D-Ray, with that, the military background and, you know, the company you work for now aligning with a, a lot of those same values. Yes. Short answer is yes. Uh, I think the pressure you mentioned, you know, you want to be able to perform and, and, uh, and, and deliver and that, you know, uh, you know, people are under pressure. They have these deadlines that they need to meet and, and you start behaving in a certain way because, uh, you know, self-preservation kicks in. You're like, well, if I fail, then I'm going to do this. And then, you know, it becomes problematic. You need to be able to manage that within yourself and you need to be able to have a, a self-awareness. That's huge for a leader because some leaders won't even recognize it. Uh, they won't recognize when they're being toxic. They won't, you know, at the end of the day, reflect on, you know, what they have going on uh, within their teams or how they even showed up. I think, you know, Justin alluded to, to that earlier when he was just, you want, you got to ask the question. And if you don't, you find yourself uh, where your team, now you're, you have an adversarial relationship with them. And that's never good. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I'll, I'll try to do a show reference here, but I think it was episode three where he said, don't get fear of vote. And yeah. I love the references. This is why you should be on the podcast more. <laughs> If you guys need to expand your branding, that that's the slogan that needs to go on there because it, it applies in, through so many of the episodes and topics you've had. But for me, it's don't let fear get a vote on this. I have a new leader, even in my team. So the team I joined got a new leader at a very, very senior level, came from a different company um, and brought in a concept that we've talked about a lot at the company we work at now, which is, you know, fail. It's okay fail fast, fail a lot. And everyone goes, sure. Until end of year comes around until you start actually putting a number on how I did. She basically told us if you don't fail on a high percentage of what you put down, you weren't trying hard enough and we weren't learning enough. So you, you better start failing now. And that kind of, of honesty that came through there from her. I mean, it, 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 it's part of who she is. And so it came through very clearly and we just had our mid years where we, where we work or I did at least. And we went through where, where didn't I do what I was going to do? And the list is long. Um, you know, the continued pandemic has affected a lot of what I wanted to come in. And again, new leader and new group, you have grand ideas of things you can do. And then, you know, reality punches you in the mouth and you, you change your plan. 
it, it's hard to get comfort in that. Um, you have to earn it again. You have to earn that trust. And to, to one of D-Ray's points, um, I had two conversations in my early leadership role in this new team with people on my team that I felt needed to hear something, needed to hear about something they had done that could get in their way of success. And both of them were shocked when I had those conversations with them. Didn't really know how to handle it. Um, at first, I think both were just pretty silent and took it and processed it, which is good for that. That's actually a win. Both came back to me and said, thank you for the first real feedback I've gotten on me in years. One of them said, I've never gotten in my career. It's the first time someone's taken the time to say, here's something that's going to keep you from being successful. And if that's the kind of thing that starts to earn your trust, it's hard to do. Feedback like that, that's what we call critical, but really is supportive feedback, is hard. You have to practice it to get comfortable with it. Uh, I had a leader that basically told me, yeah, it's going to be hard your first few times. But if you go in there and tell them, I'm trying to help you, and that's why I'm doing this. This isn't to start you know, putting you on a performance plan. This is about you getting better. Um, if you come in that way and you just talk and you're honest about it, they'll feel it and they'll hear it. And the more you do it, the more you'll see how they appreciate it. And then it gets easy. It gets really easy after that, but it's a hard hill to climb. And it's all based around trust. It's all based around you coming from a place around changing the focus from you to D-Ray's point earlier. Am I a manager and I want me to look good? Or am I a leader and I want my team and my team members to look good? I like that a lot. There's, there's three things that I actually wrote down on my notes while you were talking. So I, we've got about 27 minutes into the show right now. So I kind of want to pose these three questions to, to end up. And I'll start with the first one for both of you. But failure. You mentioned the importance of failure. I had a boss once that said that it's okay to fail as long as you fail forward. I agree. That shows that you're learning, shows that you're growing. You learn from your mistakes and you improve upon it. When we look at sports, for example, it's so hard for a team to go undefeated. And whenever you have a team that is, you know, uh, let's look at college basketball, for example. You're undefeated late in the season, but you get a upset loss. Every single time that happens, the coach says, you know, it's probably a good thing. We needed to, to learn what it's like to lose so it doesn't happen again. And maybe that's just coach talk, but why is failure good for leaders? And I don't think failure should be in your value system. But I think being able to learn and adapt and pivot is good. But why, why do you guys think failure is good? Or is it something that you shouldn't strive for? Yeah, but it kind of ties into your question in that, you know, how a leader shows up, you know, they show up and they are just, you know, perfect haircut, tie, or they're just dressed to the gills. You know, they have a certain image. It's like this, this facade they're projecting to everyone. That's perfect. They're performers. You know, they're, they're, they're well-adjusted, they're not easily shaken, uh, but behind closed doors, they might be, you know, a volcano waiting to erupt, who knows? Uh, and I think bringing that vulnerability to your team and, hey, he hello, I'm a human too. I'm human like you. I fail at stuff. I've, I've failed a lot more than I have succeeded. 
like if you can come in and share that with your team and let them know, hey, you know, I'm I'm really no different. I may just spend a little more time, you know, focused on my goals. That's why I'm in this position. Uh, but I can't continue to go forward without you all. So we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. I'm going to, I'm going to grab an oar and I'm going to start rowing just like everyone else. Right. Uh, but being willing to share those failures or like give actual stories of something that you failed at. And then what you learn from it, you kind of, you shape the culture, uh, allowing folks, uh, the, the grace and the space to, to learn, fail and get better. I kind of like how you phrased it striving to fail as long as you're you're doing it to try to find what you can do how far can i go before i fail and what but to de-raise point what can i learn from that point to where the next time i can go further you know if i'd stayed managing a team of two or three i would have been just managing a team of two or three um, but i push myself i can what can i do to get to that point of failure each time and learn from it so that I can do more and better and be there for the people that are depending on me for that role of leadership to be better in that place for them. So there's, there's a component of it where I, I do want to push myself to where I get to that point to where I can learn more. If I stay in my little safe zone, I can stay where I'm at, but I'm not going to be the best I could be for the people around me. And I think you also, you can't internalize how it shakes out either way, Justin, because uh, if you inherit a really good situation and you perform well, you know, did you really knock it out of the park? You know, or were you just lucky? Uh, and if you inherit a poor situation and it continues to go poorly, well, now you're unlucky. So there's, you know, two sides to that coin. And we had an episode on luck. I'm not sure which one it was. Lucky number seven. Okay, but you know <laughs> we have to take that into account as well. I think it really comes to, you know, fail. That's that's good, but I want to encourage my teams, and I always have to do their best. Like, give me your best. I'm going to give you my best, and then how it shakes out. Well, sh you know, sometimes we don't have any control over that, but you know, we're not going to go down without a fight. So I just want my, I want my folks scrappy. I want them trying. I, I, we can't do everything, but we're going to do our best. We're going to look at this, this big, hairy, audacious goal. And we're going to try to knock it out. And I think that's where people that strive to have control struggle yeah. because of that randomness of everything that comes into our lives. Yeah. Um, we can put ourselves in the best position to have optionality everywhere we are. And that help is helpful. But that doesn't mean a random event is going to come through and come in the face of what we were, we were trying to accomplish. And you, you're right. You can't say that you can't internalize that and, and make yourself suffer over those. You try to learn from it. You try to say, how could we have done and given ourselves even more options to where that could have been less. One of the things that's inspiring to me is seeing people from all different backgrounds, all different age groups lead. And it doesn't have to necessarily be in the business sense, right? Like you don't have to be a 15 year old entrepreneur or a, you know, 55 year old CEO of a fortune 10 company. I think that you can lead from 
wherever you are, regardless of what your role is. But I know that's not necessarily a team leader. And so I know there's probably a difference between a team leader and a leader. So I want to pose a question Very to you point. because I think there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast saying, well, is this, is this relevant for me? I mean, I'm only, you know, middle management at this point or just a individual contributor for my team. I'm entry level. What are you talking about? Entry That's level, so. you know, can you lead from regardless of where you are in your company? Be the example, Austin. It's as simple as that. Be the example. It's not, uh, you know, do as I say and not as I do. It's in everything that you do, uh, I, I guess if you have the self-awareness and the forethought to think, Hey, maybe one day I'll be in, in a leadership role, but it even comes down to like your family, right? How you are with your spouse. You know, if you are the head of the household, how do you lead that household? Uh, be the example. That's going to be my takeaway, by the way. To answer your question, Austin, yes, uh, you, you can lead from wherever you are. And that's really leadership is how you treat people. If I'm in an individual contributor role, I'm in an entry level role, how I treat the people that are training me, how I treat the people around me, how I treat my line manager, how I treat the person that comes in to make sure we have copy or paper, how I treat the person that serves us coffee um, in, in, in the cafe, all of those matter. And they show who you are as a person and positive people are attractive, attractive to bring other people to them. And those quiet leaders like that can have so much more influence on an organization than, than people realize. When you're that quiet voice, but the one, and not even when you don't want to speak up, it's the quiet voice that you're, you don't have the platform that others have, but that people respect you and know what you stand for can have huge influences, a quiet influences across a group. And stepping up a level, first level leaders, new leaders, are one of the most critical pieces of an organization. You, you hope, and this is not always true in any corporation, as you've ascended, they recognize real leadership and not just status or, or whatever, or success in prior you know, individual roles. The first level leaders have a lot of people under them that really need that leadership the most. You hope there's a weeding out as you go up. There's not always. You hope there is, but those first level leaders are the ones we that I know the company that D-Ray and I work for right now, we're focusing on a lot because we've really abandoned them in their leadership training and, and feedback. We've said, good luck, kind of figure it out. But we haven't invested the time to get them where they need to be. And that's a failing of ours, not theirs. Is that a failure because of the world that we live in and the COVID-19 pandemic and not being able to fully adjust to working remotely? And you know, kind of beyond that, do we think that leadership has maybe changed in the past 18 months, like how we lead, how we work with teams? And, you know, maybe is there anything over the past 18 months during this entire pandemic that will take and actually impact us moving forward when it comes to leadership as a whole? It's shined a light on mental health. That's for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, when you become part of a large organization, that organization is somewhat of a machine and the leaders on their way up, you know, kind of become part of that machine. Uh, and I think it's, it's good for, for those that are really secure in themselves 
to be able to, you know, separate themselves from that machine and take a really good look at it uh, and understand that they still have to be human. I had a, a, a lecture from an executive coach and my takeaway was he has to go in and teach, reteach executives how to be human. That's wild. That's wild. You work your way up, you become part of the machine, you forget how to be human. You know, you do analysis, you're very analytical, the way that you write, the way that you engage people. Maybe even you're two-faced because you, you've, you've like bought into the office politics. I think one of the things that really helps me is like I'm, I'm the same way on cautious coffee. I'm the same way at work. I'm the same way with my, my platoon or my company. I'm the same way with my, my girlfriend, my dad, my parents. Like, this is D-Ray, guys. Just want you all to know that. So it's very consistent in how I uh, engage people. I'll greet you with a smile. I'm going to just meet you where you where you are. And hello, human. Let's let's people together. People, people, and you legitimately need to put that on a shirt. <laughs> put it on put it on the website. We've talked about it for a year. So. Uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned that I got that from Alan Watts. By the way. Oh, I thought I thought it was D. Ray Crane. No, he said uh, uh, an apple tree will apple. So earth peoples. All right. Yeah, that's the logic behind it. But, uh, you know, I got to give him a shout out. So you're inspired by it. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I you know, remixed it. Joseph, what about you? Last 18 months. Has leadership changed? Is there anything that we can take from the last 18 months moving forward? I'd say the, the core tenets don't change. Um, but how, to D-Ray's point, how we implement them does. And what we and how we observe, how we interact does. And my takeaway is it, I'm, as a leader, it was really important for me to be able to see my people working. Not to see how hard they were working or when they got in or when they left, but just to be able to see them as a person and look at that and how it changed day to day. Is this person acting out of character? Are they more stressed? Are they, is part of their character off? And that was how I checked in on people and how I knew that person is one of the most relaxed people I know and they are tense. What's going on? You lose that here. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but there was a, a podcast, a while back sports podcast with a host named Scott Van Pelt and he was giving a point around people talk about athletes and how they always seem really great in interviews. They're super personable, really friendly, respectful. And then you go and see them do something in real life that's totally totally contrary to that and he goes yeah it's it's easy to pretend to be a good guy for five minutes during an interview and in the environment we're in it's really easy for someone to pretend to be okay during a 15-minute catch-up they can get their shit together for a few minutes take a deep breath get their cup of coffee and show up super strong and competent i'm ready to take you, you oh you need me to take on more work sure put it on my back and then they sign off and they look on and they've got three kids in the same room with them because something's off at daycare or at school and they've had to have them. Um, they're a single parent. They've got an elderly parent they're caring for at the same time, whatever else is going on. And that facade that D-Ray talks about melts away and you can't see it anymore. And so as a leader, that care is still there, that core tenet of I'm going to care about my people. But how do I know that I'm actually doing it? And it's a and it's it's 
we always have check-ins with people. And at the beginning, people want to go, well, here's what I'm working on. Here's how busy I am. Here, here are the things I'm doing for the company. And you say, sure, sure. But how are you doing? And those conversations slowly transition to conversations that aren't about work and the work output, but about how, how that person is and how they're feeling and what's going on. And it's amazing what people have going on in their lives right now across the board. Pandemic not, complicated by the pandemic. Showing up for people that way is what's changing. How do we do this in a virtual world right now? And how do people that are joining the workforce that are coming in, how do we give them the skills to be successful in this world? I think you both hit it, you know, right on the nail on the head. Um, D-Ray with mental health and, and, and Justin talking about people first. You know, I think you've got to humanize, uh, you know, the people that you work with. You've got to empower them. And I think you've got to actually know them so when something's not okay, you can recognize that. You know, I think a, a good leader is going to be able to recognize if you're putting up that facade for 15 minutes on a, a Zoom call and you've got all these issues going on, they're going to actually check in with you and not just have you know, a work call, maybe they call you out of the blue, check in, see how you're really doing, uh, you know, and it's not actually a planned, you know, 15 minute call on Zoom or Teams. Uh, so I think that the humanization factor is something that's going to stick around, you know, as we continue this agile work environment where it's, you know, maybe a hybrid between office life, work from home. And I think people are demanding that, you know, they're demanding that kind of, you know, accountability uh, from their leadership. Uh, as, as they look for places to work. I mean, we're seeing it in the tech f industry, for example, with Apple and Google and what 30 to 40% of their employees saying, hey, we're not going to win back to the office. You know, we, we, we've adapted to this new style. Uh, it allows us, you know, to feel empowered, uh, you know, to be able to have this flexibility to be with our families or stay home or, you know, work at different hours. Uh, and, and so change is important for leadership. Being able to adapt to that change and respond to it, I think, is incredibly important. But D-Ray, Justin, we've gone on for about 45 minutes for episode 15 of the podcast. And I think it's been a great conversation on leadership and, and, and being vulnerable. Uh, and I want to give you both a moment real quick to give us a takeaway for our listeners out there on leadership vulnerability. For me, it, it comes down to... Whatever you're going to do, do it as you. There, there's a lot of catchphrases around it right now, but if you choose to do something, do it honestly from who you are and where you are. And whatever the outcome, you can grow from it, learn from it, and you'll build relationships around it. Bottom line up front, be the example. Uh, you, It's unnecessary for for you to create this image of what you believe people you know, want to see. Uh, the fact that you are being successful with all the baggage that you're carrying, it's okay to share what's in that bag. All right. It, it's fine because I actually, that, that looks good upon you. It makes, it, it validates the struggle uh, that you went through to get to where you are. And, if you, if you tell people, Hey, you know, I'm perfect. Well, they're going to try to be perfect and that's going to drive them insane because no one's perfect. So I'm going to piggyback on Justin, be you, you know, be consistent in all that you do and, and be unafraid. Don't let fear get a vote in your own head. 
I think my takeaway is uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I think sometimes we could be very prideful and we want to, you know, take on the work ourselves to show that we can do something or that we yes. can deliver results. Uh, but I think a, a true leader surrounds himself with, with people that are, you know, that they trust, right? That they can go to for counsel, that they have a strong network. I mean, you look at leadership at the highest level in the country, whether it's corporate America or politics, you've got to have a strong staff. You've got to have a strong executive team, people that you trust uh, to do the right thing, to inspire, to change. So don't be afraid to ask for help. You can't, you know, go at it alone. We're stronger together at the end of the day. And I know that's that's pretty cliche, but those are my takeaways. Is that from Planet of the Apes? Maybe. No, I, don't know. I, I, I remix that one too. Humans together strong. Maybe I need to catch up on my... What is it? Harrison Ford movies from the seventies? No, it wasn't Harrison Ford. Who was Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston, right? He also had a what was it? Let my people go. Was that yeah. was that another one? There were a lot from that movie. Yeah. Anyways, I'm out of coffee, but if you want a, a coffee mug like this, head over to cautiouscoffee.com. Yes. You can uh, buy some shirts. We have plenty of merch. Tank tops. Tank tops are probably better for the summer, but uh, it might get a little bit cold here in about four months in, in Houston, so maybe you can uh, you can check out a hoodie. But D-Ray, for our people out there that want to follow us and connect with us, engage with us on social media, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think you can just Google Cautious Coffee now, and it'll just pop up. Right? No, it'll be like the first one on top of the Google search. Uh, but you can find us on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, reach out to us let us know where we're right let us know where we're wrong uh, let us know how we're imbeciles or geniuses uh we're we're here for it and we can actually fact check the yeah the google thing is true we had a listener uh after episode 14 who sent in feedback and, and this this listener's from uh europe and said hey even in europe cautious coffee still number one search result but i think for him the website showed up number one so you know it's, it could be different from everyone but justin it's been an absolute pleasure having you on episode 15 of the cautious coffee podcast we, we really appreciate it thank you so much for having me this is great thanks justin on that note let's call it a show until next time see ya